Welcome to the Improvement Nerds Podcast, where it's our goal to bring together a bunch of improvement nerds in order to start and improve evolution by providing people with a new tool set, a new skill set, and a new mindset. We're grateful that you're spending time with us today. If you enjoy what you hear, please follow our podcast and subscribe because there's sure to be good content that occurs in these conversations as we nerd out. All right, Improvement Nerds, welcome to episode number 10. What a milestone. So excited to be sharing this episode with you. As I embarked on this journey, you know, I was excited and had a lot of energy, but I also was a little concerned about how conversations like this would be received and would I have anyone listening to it? Would I have anyone wanting to come on to the show to be a guest? And as I put it out in the universe, the universe has responded. I've met a lot of great individuals as a result of hosting these conversations. And every time someone comes on to this episode, I just walk away feeling very blessed to have had the chance to share that person's story. And in every episode, I feel like I learn something new and I grow personally. And the same is true for episode 10. In this episode, I welcome Jacqueline Martinez, who is an HR professional. She has honed her craft within the recruiting space, helping organizations to identify and attract top talent. So as she joins us today, she's going to share a little bit about herself, and I'm excited for you guys to get to know her. She's a very gifted individual. She hosts her own podcast, which is From Coffee to Wine, in which she captures stories about individuals and the work they do between the hours of 9 to 5. She works with a consulting firm, HRD, in which they and their organization offer HR services to organizations that are trying to become a magnet for talent. Ladies and gentlemen, excited to be welcoming her. Let's dive into the episode. Hey, Improvement Nerds. This is Tom West back with another episode of the Improvement Nerds podcast. Real excited to be having a conversation with my friend. Jacqueline Martinez. She's joining me today and we're going to have a lot of time, a lot of fun talking about our passion for serving others and helping individuals have uh, opportunity to do purposeful work. So how I uh, met Jacqueline was kind of through uh, the social media platform and doing networking and the people I were meeting, I was talking to them about the work I'd done for HR transformation and this goal that I'd had to help HR individuals um, play an important role in organizational transformation and helping them to be more strategic and to help them measure their progress and to be more adaptive and to um, be responsive to all the changes that are happening in industry. And this was well before COVID-19. So there was a lot of change being thrown at HR at that point. And there's even more being thrown at them right now. So as I started to dream a little bit about how I can serve HR people, everyone I was meeting with was saying, you got, you've got to meet Jacqueline. She's doing some cool stuff in that space. She's got a lot of ideas. She's got a podcast that talks about what it's like to live in a nine to five. And uh, within that role that you have in those hours, you can dedicate yourself and you can have a profound impact. So I started to follow her podcast. I reached out to her. I invited her to come onto our on onto our platform. And I'm just super excited she's here with me today. So ladies and gentlemen, I introduce Jacqueline Martinez. Hey Tom. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Yes, excited to have you. So in that introduction, I tend to ramble. I tried to get as much out of my head as I could about how you and I 
how our circles merged and, and have overlapped. Um, but outside of like what we're doing professionally, um, I'm getting to know you personally. So I know that you've got a, a young family. So I know that you're a Purdue graduate and I won't hold that against you. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your family. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your pathway to how you've got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. I did graduate from Purdue, um, intending to become a therapist. So instead at the time, um, of going and getting my master's, um, I decided I didn't want to continue into school at the time and um, went into work in HR instead, which is funny because I, I love school. Like I love to learn. And I think that is partially what makes me such a nerd, especially in the self-development space. Um, but at the time I was like, let me be, you know, somewhat fiscally responsible <laughs> and go work. And so um, Target hired me into HR and that's kind of where it took off, you know, um, Fast forward, I am living on the south side of Indianapolis with my young blended family. I have a a four-year-old daughter, a nine-year-old stepdaughter, and an 11-year-old stepson. Um, And my husband and I live down here. Um, And yeah, we both commute in an hour each way. Although now there's not much commuting happening, especially with um, our quarantine status, which I'm, I'm not hating. I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't miss the commuting either. And, um, you know, funny enough, like I, I, the thing I'm missing most is the opportunity to like go to our national parks. It's the, it's the thing that's got me down the most. It's so bizarre. Um, one, because growing up, like I grew up near Lake Michigan Lakeshore and the dunes was always accessible to me. So I took these things for granted, like this beautiful wilderness and my wife and I, we ran cross country. So we were always outdoors and I had no idea um, the beautiful places that existed in our nation. And I just last year had the opportunity to go check some of them out. And I like totally drank the Kool-Aid. I was a park junkie. I created a list of my company here, here, and here. And I had all these grand plans. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, get over it, dude. But that's really pulling on me right now is that that those places, they're so significant and they're so profound that when people go there, it's more than just visiting a park. It's in some ways finding yourself and um they're pretty spiritual in some ways. And I think right now with people, all the stress that they're trying to endure, having a place where they can go out and just be among nature and clear their thoughts and focus on themselves is a place that, you know, needs to be open. And unfortunately, they've got challenges right now, so they're not as accessible. And I'm totally bummed out about it. Mm, I completely agree. And I'm glad you said that. I was thinking about that actually yesterday. So a year ago in like weeks um, is my husband and I's one year anniversary. We got married in, in Havasu, um, the really obscure park, you know, down in the Canyon. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the most beautiful experiences with the biggest waterfalls I've ever seen. In my yes. Entire. I heard the the hike to the Havasu falls is just amazing. Is it on your list? Yes. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah. Okay. It's definitely on my list. Although it's, um, harder to I heard it's harder to do because of the distance that has to be hiked to access all the falls so it can be challenging with a young family 
Mm. Um, so it's going to be one of those that I try to do with either when the boys are older or with my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did it just the two of us and ran down there, got married, hiked out three days later. It was a dream. Oh, man, that does sound <laughs> awesome. So you, you're a park nerd on top of all this other nerdiness that you've got going on. The parks, <laughs> the parks are a piece of that puzzle, too. Absolutely. We, we definitely have that in common. Yes. Oh, man. So that's the one thing I'm holding on to is on the other side of all this, I will have that opportunity to go back out and check out the parks and continue my adventure. Oh, I just um, love being outside in general, but yeah, the parks have a, have a special place in my heart. Yeah. Have have you done any of the virtual park visits? Someone is, I talked to them and they said like Yosemite and Grand Canyon have um, live cam where you can you know, <laughs> tune in and you can check out some of the sites through their, their virtual platform now. So that I, maybe I'm going to, maybe that'll help me with with my blues yes likewise (laughs) no i will say so the green canyon when people describe it you know they're like well it's just a big hole in the ground well it is but it is absolutely majestic i mean the size of it alone there is nothing like standing in front of it i know you there's no replacement for it so when somebody says you know, I'm going to be by the Grand Canyon. Should I go? <laughs> Absolutely. Even if you're only there for 20 minutes, yes. it'll change you as a human. Yes. And the, the two rims are so different from each other. Yep. We went and did a road trip and we hit the North Rim and it was cold, um, really rocky trees, um, you know, across the landscape there as you go through the, the forest into that lodge area and didn't it didn't feel really deserty and then we did the lap around we went and saw my grammy in las vegas and on the way home uh, we were stationed out of four corners in new mexico so on the way home we stopped and checked out the south rim and it is sheer cliffs like you stand at the edge and it's just straight down into the valley whereas on the north rim it's more of a gradual decline into the valley floor so they're two different sites. So I'd encourage individuals to put it on their bucket list to check out both the North Rim and the, the South Rim. Mm-hmm. And it depends on the time of year you go to. I mean, honestly, we could record an entire podcast on this. I know. <laughs> yes, I know. We. I think maybe we're going to have to schedule that for the nerding out about our parks. So, But we do have a goal. We are here. We are nerding out about something you're very passionate about. And I think it's very timely because I would mentioned that HR right now has a lot of change being asked of them. But beyond that change, I think it's a lot of opportunity, right, for them to mm. um, you know, bring about radical change and just rethink how they serve people and serve industry. So I'm excited to be having this conversation with you because I hear you got a lot of ideas about how they can step into the light and really play that role within organizations to be thought leaders. So before we get all the way down into that stuff, I'm going to set the stage here and ask you, so Jacqueline, what nerds you out? What nerds me out, Tom, is the notion of people at work. And I know that sounds general, but it is everything from how we talk to people as they're coming into the organization, how we treat them, how we make them feel, how we grow them and pour into them and work with them when they're in the organization. 
and how we, you know, treat them as they're offboarding and as they're on their way out. I mean, everything from, from top to bottom, um, I'm really passionate about how we deal with our people. I love that everything you just said about HR, you weren't talking about the functions of recruiting or training or orientation. You were talking more about the value that those parts of HR provide from that initial impression and the welcoming to the organization and the preparing. So as you nerded out, like, had I not known your background was HR, I would have had a hard time following what you were saying because you weren't using those HR siloed words of recruiting and orientation and payroll and, you know, comp and benefits or you were saying, here's the important part of what those roles allow you to do as an organization. And it's to see people as people and to position them well to do whatever work that they were brought on to do and to contribute and have value. So, oh man, you like just spoke to my heart. You are, (laughs) you are a nerd. That's so cool. (laughs) I told you. I'm glad that there was a confirmation there. I'm glad that I finally passed your nerd test. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I I don't know if I've got the credentials to certify people as nerds. Um, But like you so far, if I were to become an expert in certifying nerds, um, you're meeting the requirements thus far. That the human centered element, I think, is such an important part to nerding out is, you know, like I read somewhere the best way to be selfless is to be selfish is to do stuff you love and then to role model that and encourage others that they should be doing what they love too it was very obvious that when you shared what your passion was that this is something you love and that as you're doing it those people around you who are interacting with you you're they're seeing that passion too and that creates positive energy so to me nerds are kind of like those people who aren't afraid to just do what they love doing, regardless of how others might perceive it and just puts it out there. And who knows what can happen as a result of creating that energy. Exactly. Exactly. So, so how did this become a passion for you? Yeah, well, I, I share, I spilled some of the beans when I, I told you that I desired to be in therapy. So therapist. And so my, my start was really from the human side. So I realized at a very young age that I loved people and that my purpose and my goal in life is to help people become more of themselves. And so I stepped into the business world with that idea in mind. And so I I already knew the human side and I was learning the business side, right? So all the aspects of HR, all the aspects of business, how to do both and be a really, really, really good business partner. Well, a lot of shock came with that because I learned very quickly that the real world sees people as factors of production, um, as a priority for, um, you know, just getting things done and and making making dollars and trying to to crank out crank out things. And, And that is definitely part of it. I mean, that's why business runs. Um, but I also, I knew in my gut that there was another way and that way was value, valuing humans as the priority for business success and sustainable growth. And so I use my gifts of love and empathy and connection with people 
to drive that change in every workplace that I've been in. Um, And so I naturally would get thrown into these situations where they're like, Jacqueline, you know, there's this aspect of HR or recruiting or whatever it is that maybe isn't working the best, build it or strip it down and build it. And that happened in every role that I stepped into, which was really exciting and fun. And so what I would do is I would build it. And it wasn't just the, the functions of, you know, payroll needs to be changed and systems and this and that. It was very much um, being able to help people deal with each other. I mean, you, you think of HR terms like employee relations and leadership mm-hmm. development, and those are absolutely things that I was doing. Um, but more than that, I was just helping people become more of themselves. Like, yes, the people in your workforce, what they fundamentally want are growth and freedom. This mm-hmm. is how we help them achieve that while you're achieving business results. And when they feel fulfilled, your business will be most fulfilled. And it was really yeah. just connections um, in each business unit's level. And I just completely nerded out there. That was, you're taking me on a journey here. Like that, <laughs> the, I, knowing what people um, are motivated to do is an important part of stepping into a role that allows you to serve them. And some of the things you highlighted was that people value growth and development and mastery. So mm-hmm. invest in them, the skills that they need to make and lead change and, and to, con- to contribute and to see their impact. They value autonomy. Mm-hmm. So this uh, flexibility to innovate and create and fail safely. And they value relationships is to come and have a sense of belonging and collegiality with the team that they're on. And one of my mentors, he stopped using the word um, team at work and he he chose to call everyone family, that this is my work family here. And some of the stuff you're saying is those things that I valued in my career that kept me showing up and doing really hard work in the healthcare system was because my leader gave me those things. They invested in me. They gave me that flexibility. And the people that I was working with, we had more than just friendship. We embraced each other as individuals and we knew each other at work and outside of work. So it did feel like a family. And it was just a lot of fun. So to hear like your your punch list of this is what HR people need to create a poster of and hang in their offices is to give these four things to these to, to the people you lead and you're doing your job and the results will follow. I think that's, you know, I, we can just end the episode here. That's so <laughs> profound. <laughs> I just mic dropped. <laughs> you just, so tell me, you know, what is motivating you to do this? Why is this so important to you? Oh, that is a really hard question, Tom. And I ask myself this all the time. Like, why can't I just do the easy thing and have a job where I do something pretty similar every day and go home and not think about it, right? And that's great for so many people and so needed. But I am created to take the hard route. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew a long time ago that this fire was just burning inside of me, to put it simply. And so I've kind of become this work lay psychologist, Um, not necessarily on an individual level, sometimes on an individual level, um, but 
just a, a, a work coach. And, and I don't do that in a formal capacity right now. I do that uh, in a very, so I'm a recruiter right now, you know, I'm a, I'm a consultant. And so I'm able to do that from a hiring perspective. Um, and I've just made it my, my goal and my dream to continue to impact workplaces um, in a way that helps release the, the creating humans as factors of production. I just, yeah. I saw the need. And so other business leaders who connect with me on that level, that's, we're made for each other. Yeah. And that's, you know, some people say that's a, a, a niche or something to look for HR organizations that think in that capacity. And maybe right now it's pretty seldom and it's not as frequent as we'd like it to be. But that the fact that people are starting to think this way is pretty uplifting because in at least in my education so I have a degree in finance and you know so I came into the workforce and I'd I'd read the books and I thought I knew what success looked like and I was really strong with data and then I entered the workforce and I realized that those things that I was trained on really didn't allow me to feel connected to my work or to the people around me and I had some issues early on in my career because I was showing up and producing, but I didn't feel like I was making any progress. And I think so many individuals um, feel that way too, of like their work is just something they do. It's not something that really empowers them or excites them. And that to me is concerning because if you show up and you're just going through the motions, or if you show up and worse, that the processes that you're asked to employ day in and day out are broken or arduous. And instead of creating joy, they do the opposite is they, they cause frustration or anxiety or anger. The more and more that you find yourself in that situation, the less and less human you feel and Mm -hmm. your batteries can drain and you can start to make pretty harsh judgment on yourself. Um, You know, instead of like, Oh, my job sucks or this process sucks. It's more, I suck. And to me, like, that's something that we got to stop. That's a vicious cycle. We need people who are empowered to take risk and to plug in and to feel that what they're doing is making an impact and giving them greater purpose so that we can charge those batteries up. Because what they do at work, yeah, is important. It contributes to our economy and it provides them income to care for their family. But reality is, is there's a ton of work that has to happen outside of industry. So at your dinner table and in your community and within your neighborhood, we need people to go home from their nine to five with enough energy to do the other work. That's got to happen there too, to, you know, mentor or volunteer has a uh, coach for a soccer team or whatever. There's so many examples that, that people can probably resonate with that I can't list here, but, you know, if we can create this relate improve this relationship between employees and their employment we can you know let people feel connected again and what you're saying is you want to help people become themselves and Mm -hmm. i love that because in some ways people are fragmented because you know they feel like they got to be someone different while they're at work and then when they come home they're themselves again and that's just a lot to ask of a person is to be these multiple we're to wear these multiple hats. It's quite exhausting. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, there's absolutely the need to, you know, there's a, there's a professional Jacqueline and there's a hanging out on a Friday night, Jacqueline. Um, but at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm me. <laughs> and when c- companies started embracing the notion of you know, people being them whole selves all the time versus mm-hmm. there being a balance, <laughs> you know, work-life balance. Well, it's really just an, it's an integration. Um, and that, even though that's common sense to people like me and you, that is really a progressive idea. And I'm learning that as I navigate through the world of consulting and noticing just how many companies are still so far behind. You know, one of my best friends, he is somebody who really, he's really good at his job. Um, and he's really good at people development and, and the, the different aspects of his job he can do day in and day out, but on Sunday nights, he gets those blues. Mm. And I'm like, what is it ab- about you going in to work on Monday morning? Well, I know what it is. I mean, it's, it's the person he works for. And so, and some of it, you know, it, it's external, but so much of it can also be shifted in our minds. So yeah, maybe the drive is the problem, but maybe it's your thoughts about the drive to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of work that can be done there too, as well. And, and I do work individually with a lot of people on that. I mean, it's not what I do as a profession. It's, you know, part of my, <laughs> part of my side coaching, um, that isn't formal at all, but it's, I think the mindset is, is a large piece of that because if we are being, are met or needs are being met, you know, in terms of growth and freedom and connection, um, then, then what is it? It's probably something in our minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my brother had a silly analogy. Um, He's talking about, you know, our old habits. So, you know, with COVID, our habit, if anything, we've been freed from our structure mm-hmm. in some ways. So and I think it's causing a lot of anxiety because we as adults, we thrive off of routine and we like predictability and all those habits we had, those structures we had have now been kind of shaken up a bit. but. Back in the days when I was in my nine to five, you know, I'd wake up and I'd exercise between X hour and Y hour. I'd get in my car, I'd drive to work, I'd work, get in my car, I'd come home. And my brother was like, think about all the activities that are going on. You know, you sleep eight hours a day, you drive in your car probably two hours a day, and you work nine hours a day. So, you know, that's. 19 hours or whatever the math ends up being. So he's like, if your bed sucks, if your car sucks, and if your job sucks, like 80% of your life sucks. So, (laughs) you know, invest in joy and do a job you love or buy a car that makes you happy or get, spend that extra money on the bed that allows you to rest and, and recover. I was like, no, that's pretty, pretty, pretty cool, Aaron. My, my older brother, I was just like, I never thought of it that way. He's like, you're going to spend your whole life busting your hump and trying to keep up is like, allow yourself to indulge a little bit so that this isn't a suck fest. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So I'm curious, what do you think has been some of like the catalytic events for organizations to go on this this journey to be more human centered and to be more purpose driven or values driven. It, at least when I was in school, so I did my MBA about eight years ago, Mm -hmm. empathy, 
humility, diversity, inclusion, they were nowhere in my syllabus. Mm. And now if you look on the thought leader platforms like LinkedIn and Instagram, all the influencers like Simon Sinek, a lot of their conversations are about just that, especially Brené Brown. She talks, you know, exclusively about the importance of understanding shame and how if we can address our fears, we can be our whole selves again. So these authors, maybe they've been around for a, a little bit, but maybe my awareness or ability to listen to what they were saying wasn't quite there. But you know, is this a catalytic event like at an individual level or is it something you're seeing happen at an industry level? So how's the, how are all these things becoming more conversational, like acceptable to talk about? Yeah, that's a, those are some great questions. I think it's both, right? So, I mean, before we were all quarantined and had almost completely full employment, in the, from the recruiting situation, there's a lot of competition around hiring the best talent. And in order to hire the best talent, you had to be the best. Mm-hmm. In order to be the best, you know, you had to be competitive when it came to meeting the needs of the people that work for you. And that was really around leadership, empathy, you know, these, these softer, I'm putting that in quotes, um, qualities that made up a company. And so, you know, that had everything to do with how you marketed and your branding and, you know, again, those softer qualities. And so we've had to evolve and we've been doing that long. The economy has been good long enough for even those who were really bad at it to start catching on and um, taking baby steps. Well, in addition to that, it seems to me like we are evolving. So, you know, thought leaders like Brene Brown and Simon Sinek, um, they have led the way for us. I remember when I first saw Simon Sinek, oh, I was wowed, like completely awestruck. So, you know, I'm, I'm in this organization um, leading some, some pretty big culture change. And this is, I think, where my nerdiness on this topic really came out because I, I had the free time to be able to think a little bit in my role. And I was just researching like crazy and like getting all the information I could and half my days were spent researching and learning and reading. And although I was unsettled, like in my gut, I was like, oh, there's more, there's more, there's more. And just continuing to reach for that. um, I was getting so much joy out of learning what I was learning. And the more I uncovered, the more I was thinking, oh, everyone needs to know this. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to be working like this. How come we're not working like this? And so I really believed in that. And I actually was able to attend a conference where Simon Sinek got on the stage and started talking. And I was like, what? He's talking about leadership and finding your why and, you know, really putting that out before you um, and, you know, connecting your why with the company's why and the company even having a why. And that was just a new notion. So after working with my current company on that kind of culture change, um, I was like, ev- everyone needs to do this. This this has to be mainstream. Um, and so I've, other people are were also <laughs> in that mindset. And so as a mm-hmm. collective, we we started to to head that direction. And I think now more than ever, we're focusing on the human side of things. Yeah, and I think that it was this in your story. It was kind of this. N of one, so you, like, it 
it resonates, it increases or piques your interest and creates this new way of thinking. And as soon as you start to step into that new way of thinking, doors open and relationships blossom that probably you know, wouldn't have manifested had you not changed the way you were willing to think or the way you were showing up. And I've realized starting my own business, you know, that just thinking that these things are possible and believing in the journey that I'm on and being excited and creating positive energy about it has brought so many relationships into my life that I didn't think would have happened because I'm, I'm introverted. So I don't naturally meet people very easily. It's not you know, one of the things that I would say I'm really good at is something I'm learning and I'm improving at now because I didn't practice it much during my my life. But now that I believe that, you know, working with others and hearing people's ideas and capturing their stories is part of, you know, creating a community around what I would like to see happen, which is almost what you're saying is people have the tools to address whatever is preventing them from loving their their work or loving the roles that they have and can bring about improvement. And, you know, I'm trying to broaden the definition of improvement. It's not just, you know, what I've seen, unfortunately, is organizations labeling it as cost-cutting measures or all about large ROI projects, but beyond improvement is people and the processes that they use day in and day out. And sometimes those processes are antiquated and they're stressful and we got to do something about that. So for me, that's what, you know, I believe in. And the more and more I talk about that, the people who think similarly or who can sharpen my thoughts are showing up in my life. You, for example, like everything we're talking about now, like I feel like our circles do overlap because we have similar goals, which is to unleash the creativity of workforce or to give people purpose or create joy at work. I mean, you can say it so many different ways. And I think we had to initially believe it for ourselves before we can join the community of people who had already bought into it. And that as that group grows, that group has the ability to influence and bring about more change, more transformative change than any one individual could have done on their own. So I'd love to see like your journey was this multiplier effect too of, you know, Oh, peak my interest. And then I met people and then I tried it within an organization and it worked and, they enjoyed it. And then we saw what else it can do. And it just kind of became this flywheel. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that journey that we are on, but have been on ourselves is really what got us here because we had the hunger and the desire. And, you know, the more I, I searched and learned and the more that I did something about it, um, the the more it happens, just like just like anything else. So truly my passion is to help companies, you know, become more people focused, but also to help the people (laughs) become more people focused. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And I can tell that you've done a lot of research and that this is something that you didn't just say, oh, it's all going to come together naturally. But it was like, I've got to work hard to do the research needed to fully understand this. So it's very clear that you're a reader. And in the book, uh, Chief Joy Officer, the author says that leaders are readers and readers are leaders. So I can see that you're taking time and you're researching this and you're motivated to become an expert in this field. And you're talking about so many things that I hope resonate with individuals that, you know, they, they themselves want to go out and do some research too. So 
in all that reading you've done or all the, you know, research that you've done, what are like two things that you would say, like, go to these things. These are the trusted resources. These were the guides that helped me increase my understanding or increase the hope that I had that these things could happen. Mm, yeah, that's difficult because I don't know about you, but you, you hit the nail on the head with reading. I am like read five books on audible at a time kind of person. And then maybe one or two paper books. And then I've got articles and podcasts. I mean, mm-hmm. It's honestly out of control. So I don't suggest that, but <laughs> that's how I do things. I mean, honestly, it's it's kind of older at this point, but one of the books that really set me on my path is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And if you are unfamiliar with the, the notion of figuring out what your mission and purpose is, then that is a great place to start. Um, so that's one, I think two, honestly, anything Brene Brown does. And I think what's great about Brene is vulnerability. If you're unfamiliar with vulnerability and a lot of business people truly are like, they could tell you what it is from a textbook standpoint, but when it comes to actually doing it, um, the exponential is just the magnitude of of the impact that vulnerability has is unreal. And the only way to experience it is to do it, which means to be, to be vulnerable, to share yourself. And that's scary. And so a lot of this is being about being brave, which is another one of the reasons why I love Brene Brown. Cause she talks about mm-hmm. vulnerability and bravery all the time. Yeah. The <laughs> books that she's got a lot, mm-hmm. um, then they're all wonderfully written, but so I read dare to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after my transition to start my own business and that all, all the things that she was giving in regards to examples or quotes or the ways to embrace vulnerability, um, I had to take them off the page and integrate them into my life and to try them. And I think by trying them, like reading, on, reading the, the ideas on the page were quite interesting and intriguing and but I was somewhat skeptical like yeah yeah right like could could I be vulnerable in being vulnerable could that change my mindset could that change my outcomes so I I experimented with it and it did like it had a profound impact just the the way I was showing up and admitting that I was human and that here's what I hope would happen but just relinquishing control to what the outcome ultimately would be, but having confidence that everything would work out in the end was something that just really helped me. And then the next book I read was Braving the Wilderness, which Mm -hmm. kind of followed up on that is as you move further and further from your comfort zone, the anxieties you have become less and less and less because you grow into this new space and this new normal. And you as a person have this opportunity to redefine who you are. So those books I'm I'm glad that you're recommending them because I would double down on that recommendation too. I think she's <laughs> a wonderful so author. Oh, I'm so glad that you're nerding out with me on this. Yes. So I have, I have one more that I do. Oh. It changed me in a way. Um, I, I got the Audible and the paperback book, which I don't get a lot of paperback books. Is how much it, it changed. Um, if you are a leader in an organization, or you know, especially in HR and leading leaders, the book Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Have you read that one? 
Yeah. I have, that's a, a, another good. great recommendation. Yes. Yeah. It just, um, because it's all of that. It's being brave. It's vulnerability. It's being real. It's storytelling and not storytelling like fairy tales. Like this mm-hmm. is my life, you know, be completely real with me because one of the, the hardest things in work anywhere you go is, you know, being afraid to show up as your true self, because if you do and you get, you know, rejected in any way, whether it's your idea is not good or don't do that. Or you're too much. Or you're too little. I mean, that's just the, the most disheartening thing you can experience as a person. Mm-hmm. So more and more people jumping onto the radical candor bandwagon. I mean, that is, it's just magic. Yeah. I, the big takeaway out of that book was authenticity and love and that, you know, if you um, are doing it from a place of good intentions and um, and with that person in a, in a way that you're doing it because you love them, giving them feedback or having these difficult conversations or helping them to see themselves is the best thing you can do. And I thought, Oh man, that's, you know, cause we're Midwest. So here we are in Indiana, like, you know, we've got the Hoosier hospitality. We've got Midwest oh, nice. nice. Yeah, we're, we're very nice as a culture. Um, you know, but, you know, sometimes individuals have to get the feedback that allows them to start to self-assess, you know, how they're showing up. And when, when they're showing up in a way that's inconsistent with who they really are, the best way to turn that stone over is to get feedback about it. And that could be a, a um, a pretty severe jolt to an individual to have that realization. But then on the other side of that realization, as Brené Brown would say, is you have this, this reckoning. So you realize this thing is occurring. You have this rumble, you wrestle with it and you deal with it. And then you rise on the other side of it. And I think beyond just rising, you have this opportunity to be reborn. So I think you have this rebirth opportunity too, to say, now I have this choice to make a decision about who I become hereafter. So I think in Radical Candor talked a lot about the best thing you could do when you have observations about a person is to share that and be candid with them and do it in a way to which they know that you love them and that you're really trying to help that individual learn more about who they are so that they can make a choice about who they want to become. I love that word reckoning. I wrote it down. Um, just because I think it is extremely impactful for what's happening right now (laughs) with our quarantine situation. We are at a point of reckoning where we are going to be reborn through this and on the other side of it look completely different. And I am here for it and ready to be a part of what that looks like. I know. Yeah. It's, I think there's, yeah, a lot of anxiety because of the uncertainty, but there's a lot of opportunity in this as well. So, you know, I've enjoyed this conversation. I'm everything you're saying is got me totally fueled up, and I've I've enjoyed nerding out with you. So, one of the yeah, nice little dance in the video. Um, <laughs> I can hear little voices in the background, so I know your your coworker, the little four year old that you have in your house is. Um, ready, ready for you to move on to your next agenda item. So I want to bring us to a close. And the last question I always ask in, in this, actually there's two questions, is so how does this passion of yours to help people 
be more of themselves again, intersect with all things improvement. So that's one question. And then the last thing is maybe we start with this one is how do people find you? Mm, perfect. So I live on LinkedIn, Jacqueline Martinez. And email is so easy, Jacqueline at hrdadvisors.com. You can find my podcast at from coffee to wine.bar or it's called from coffee to wine on iTunes, Spotify, all the things. Um, Instagram, coffee to wine. I mean, I'm very social and love, love, love to talk. So I, I'd love to connect with, with anybody listening. Awesome. And then how does this passion of yours just dream with us a little bit? How do you see this passion of yours intersecting with improvement? You've given a lot of examples of self and team and organization. Um, you know, what else is there within this, this effort, this movement to help people be themselves again in their work? You know, how else does this bring about radical change and, and improvement? Well, I wish I could sit here and say that I had a, an amazing idea to, you know, come up with a thesis that's going to one day change or rule the world. No, that, that was, last part was a joke. Um, but truly, everything that I've done has been because of this inner gut fire that I have for myself. So I primarily am doing it. I, I love to help others, but primarily doing it to influence myself and to improve myself. And so everything that I'm doing, I'm always trying to become a better version of myself so that I can help other people. Um, and, and I'm learning along the way that in order for people to be impacted is I have to share my story, which is why the podcast started, um, which is why, you know, I'm, I'm very active on social media and learning how to be a better storyteller um, and, and sh- be more vulnerable because that's, that's very scary. And along with that is more self-improvement. So I think that you'll see from me um, just more sharing of myself, what I'm learning um, in my story and connecting with as many people as I can. So, um, what does that look like long-term? I don't know, but, um, right now I'm just taking it one day at a time. Yeah. So, so we'll do a shout out. Cause you've talked a lot about that, that internal fire and, mm. you know, we have a mutual friend and Jason Barnaby. So obviously he's had a profound impact on you and the direction you're taking your life uh, has, it's obvious that he's encouraged you to embrace this fire that you have. So it sounds like in regards to this, that would be your encouragement to the listeners of this is to, you know, discover your passion and to flame, to fan and, and to um, get your, your internal fire more uh, of a, a significant flame that creates energy. And I think that's super cool that, you know, in this, improvement journey it's you're saying it's more about self and that you're going to get more out of this as an individual than any organization probably can ever measure Mm -hmm. and my friend he says it really well is that relationships are the currency of the world and if if organizations measured their success in that way the relationships they created or that they inspired wouldn't it be a different world Absolutely. And you know what? I'm glad that you brought up Jason. I feel like I can't record a podcast, whether it's mine or somebody else's, without bringing Jason up. Um, he has had such a profound impact on on me and my journey. And I just, I really connect with the work that he does. Um, and he's actually the one that connected us initially. Yes. Like, he, yeah, he is the one who said, we got to nerd out together. He is definitely a fellow nerd. 
<laughs> I love it. I told him, I was like, I'm kind of like the female version of you, Jason. <laughs> less, less flames, but yes. Yes. No, that, you're definitely putting that flame out into the universe to say, this is what I believe in. And those people who believe in it too, they're coming around that flame for, mm-hmm. for life also. And to have that energy. So you're definitely making uh, headway and you're building a coalition of people that you know, as those individuals start to target their energy, who knows what change that can be brought about. And you just have just this really positive outlook, especially right now in a in time of uncertainty, you're choosing to say, hey, on the other side of this, we've, we can grow as a society. We can embrace each other as individuals. So much good can come out of this too. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, you just left us in this episode with so many insightful things and can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day. And we need to thank your coworker for giving you the (laughs) flexibility to talk to us today. So thanks for taking time and thanks for sharing your story. Thank you, Tom. And honestly, I just want to say thank you for starting your podcast. Um, I know it's recently started, but um, what I've heard so far, I mean, you are making an impact. So you're doing important work. Yes. Thank you for that. That's a wrap for episode 10. What an awesome episode. What an awesome person. Big thank you and major shout out to Jacqueline for taking time out of her day to come and to share her story and to share her vision about the role of HR going forward and the realities that we can benefit from if we create the space where individuals feel that they're able to show up and be them whole selves and how HR is perfectly positioned to make that a reality, I am totally on board with that. And I had so much fun talking to Jacqueline today. And for those who want to follow her journey, again, reach out to her by LinkedIn, listen to her podcast, which is From Coffee to Wine, and connect with her. I I think you'll find that she's got a lot of energy and she's an encourager of others. So as she connects with you and you connect with her, uh, I think you guys will definitely grow and who knows what will come of those things. So thanks for listening. And if you enjoy these episodes, please share them with your friends. Reach out to us. Let us know what we're doing uh, that you like. Any ideas that you might have to make them better. 